Welcome to TEN, the Tenant Experience Network. I'm your host, David Abrams. In this episode, we are connecting with Hanyul Lin, CEO of Castle Systems, offering state-of-the-art security solutions to more than 2 million people across 10,000 locations globally. In this episode, we will learn about Hanyul's journey to his current role, where he brings his engineering, business consulting, and startup experience to the work that he does in building out a platform company. We will tap into his learning around operating in the gray and taking advantage of opportunity to drive creative solutions as one of his keys to success. Hear about how Castle is redefining touchless experience and gain insight into why he thinks we have to focus on the end user experience. We're excited to be sharing this podcast with you. So be sure to follow 10 so you never miss an episode of the Tenant Experience Network. And now I'd like to welcome Hanyel to the show. Really glad you could be with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Let's start with your journey to your current position as CEO of Castle Systems, offering state-of-the-art security solutions to more than 2 million people across 10,000 locations globally. How did you get started? Walk me through it. What did it look like? Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I guess uh, my broader background, I, I have a pretty traditional, you know, in some ways background. I, I have an engineering degree. I worked at GE. I went to business school. I uh, spent time at McKinsey, the consulting firm, uh, did a startup. Uh, and then I was lucky enough to have had a, a 16 year run at an information services company. So not in the security space or, or, or the property space at all called a Corporate Executive Board uh, or CEB. And I was a part of the leadership team that uh, there from about hundred million in revenue up to a billion before the company was sold to Gartner. And, and, and then I ended up, uh, was lucky enough to find Castle because I, I met the um, uh, majority owner of the company, this guy named Mark Ein. Uh, and Castle, uh, having, you know, uh, um, spending time in DC as I, I have, uh, Castle's got an amazing reputation here because it's a, a DC founded company. And it's almost like Kleenex with respect to the, the castle card or the castle key that everybody knows in DC. Obviously, we're much beyond DC now. But it, with this sort of amazing reputation, what Mark said to me is that um, uh, he thought about this as very much a platform company and wanted to have a CEO who could help to build a long run enduring enterprise, which I thought was such an amazing opportunity. Uh, and and I, I spent time a little bit looking and doing research on the company, of course, before I came here. And I found that the way that I would say now we, but they, Castle at the time, talked about customer service, talked about focus on innovation, talked about focus on uh, culture and people. And if you you know run into me in an alleyway somewhere like, hey, what are the things that matter most in, in terms of driving great companies and great growth? I would have probably given you those things. And, and companies can talk about anything they want to talk about. It happened to talk about the things that I cared about with respect to, again, what drives for great, great companies and great organizations. And so I, I thought that it was such a good, good alignment of uh, things that I had done, things that I had experienced, and then also what the company was and where it wanted to go that made it make sense very much. And, and for the now um, two and a half years almost that I have been at Castle, it's been a really fantastic journey. Much uh, opportunity, much work to be done uh, across all these dimensions, but uh, looking at uh, looking forward to some amazing stuff ahead. Right, well, that's I'm sure you found that's really unique. The fact that you were with a company as long as you were and then looking for a new opportunity uh, to find a company, you know, not that you necessarily be, were the founder, but 
that you could align so closely with the founder and with its way forward is, is quite unique, I suspect. Yeah, you know, I, I think everything happens as a function of just alignment, right? And, and so, so Mark, uh, Mark and then the uh, prior CEO of Castle, uh, uh, his name is Piusota, uh, the two of them are the owners of the company and they had acquired the company about, I think, maybe 14 years ago now, roughly, uh, from the founder of the company. And the company has been around for 48, almost 50 years or something like that. Yeah. And, and everything is, again, just how do you see uh, where you want to go and then how can you help enable and impact that. And I feel really fortunate that to have lined up with these guys, really smart, thoughtful guys, really great investors and, and business builders uh, about where we are in our journey at Castle and where they want to see it from here. So yeah, very much. Excellent. So why do you think you were so uniquely suited to this opportunity? What helped you to become successful, whether that be skills or mentors, colleagues, influential books that you've read? Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I, it's, it's hard to say that I'm, you know, uniquely um, suited here, but uh, I, I think each of us brings a different skill set to whatever um, leadership role that we step into or get tapped for. And I, I am not sure that I am or necessarily anybody is ever necessarily uniquely suited because everybody brings their perspective into whatever challenge that, that, that they're going to work through. And, and, and so I, I think, I think there maybe are, are certain, um, uh, attributes that matter for a leader, maybe particularly for a leader at Castle right now, um, you know, ability to break apart problems, perspective to understand what really matters and what maybe matters less, uh, experience in, in helping to uh, and maybe watching a company scale and grow and ability to listen and rally people around that common cause to get us to the other side or to get us to that, that uh, outcome. Um, and and so, so those are some of the things I think would matter uh, at, at the scale where Castle is an opportunity that is here. And so I, I bring some modicum of some of all of those things and hope to be able to help bring those ideas and those perspectives to bear as we get to the next you know, horizon of, of growth for the company. And, you know, and uh, so I, I would say maybe uh, as a as a thing as I reflect on, on my set of experiences, we're all a function of the experiences that we've had. And, and, and there are a couple of things that I, I think I took out of my set of experiences that, that might be particularly helpful here. So, you know, I, I would say that my uh, engineering background helped me to think logically about how to break apart problems. Um, McKinsey taught me the most probably about how to do business problem solving rather than just abstract um, uh, uh, problem solving overall or, or breaking down problems. Uh, I uh, had this fantastic startup experience that was a tough one, but fantastic where I, I worked for a, a guy in the property space, really uh, Herb Miller, who founded the Mills Corporation. And, and I remember Herb taught me very much about uh, how op entrepreneurs operate in the gray to keep options open uh, and uh, how to take advantage of opportunity and continue to drive um, different uh, creative solutions. Uh, and then my 16 year at CV, as I described before, um, it taught me how to grow and scale a B2B recurring revenue enterprise, a re recurring revenue business, which of course Castle is. And, and you know, you kind of look back on all your relationships that you've had with all of these different people that uh, one was lucky enough to work with, I was lucky enough to work for and with. And, and you learn a lot about um, uh, how do you lead people, how you work with people, how you get things done through people, uh, and, and what you want to do as a part of a team. 
And in in, in that, I, I spent a lot of time here at Castle thinking about how to uh, how to get the most out of everyone, how to unlock people's potential, how to listen to them, to understand what they see, to understand how we can be better. And and one of the things I I, I say a lot in in my company as we I walk the hallways, is some people think by virtue of my title, uh, I'm somehow smarter like than everybody else or something. And, and it's unfortunately very far from the truth because I'm the almost definitionally the farthest point from where things happen. Right. And the thing about like the cold face of the customer or to our operations to real value delivery. And then yet I get called all the time to make decisions about the stuff that matters, if you will. Um, and so unless I can create an environment or unless I can have the kind of access that allows me to really understand what is happening, what the real problems are, what the real opportunities are. I don't know that I'll ever be able to get after the right stuff or solve the right problems or you know, get after the real right opportunities for the company overall. And so that matters a lot to me as respect to you know, how I think about engaging. And, and I learned a lot of that just by virtue of experiencing things myself and seeing how other leaders led across my uh, career journey. Right, well, you're, you're the quarterback, right? And uh... You, you, you can't do it all. You can't, you can't play every position. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it really is essential that you have all those players around you and, and give them the latitude and space to do their job. And, and you've got to be the one to sort of make sense of it all. And that's kind of sounds yeah. like what you're good at doing. Uh, I, I don't know how good I am at it. <laughs> that's what I try. I'm sure that's the, the kind of role that you have as well to bring people together and get things, get people around a, a common belief set and common opportunity so you can work it right. Absolutely. You know, obviously on a smaller scale, but that's something I, I think about a lot. And I think about, you know, each member of our team and, um, you know, no matter how, where they are, you know, in the hierarchy, and we really try to keep that hierarchy as flat as possible, but giving everybody an opportunity to shine and to learn and to, um, and to contribute. And uh, I really, you know, value everyone's contribution and their, and their role, recognizing that I can't do it all. Um, and I'm only going to be successful, you know, if I continue to empower them uh, to uh, to do their best. So it certainly is a, a, a journey. And it sounds like all of your combined experience over the years has, has led you uh, to be really an effective, um, you know, CEO in this new role. Yeah, you know, we we all do with with whatever kind of situation where we're we're in. I I think the the thing that I have found, I'm, I'm sure you have found in in your uh, position as well, is um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm like a McKinsey guy, right? And I'm as an engineer. So there's very left-brainedness into how I deal uh, a lot of what I do. But I feel like what motivates uh, companies to push and grow and, and do amazing things and stretch themselves to do things that they didn't even think possible is the right brain stuff. Mm-hmm. And as you said, you know, you are, I am, we are quarterbacks in the situation or we're, we're kind of the conductors of an orchestra. You cannot play the symphony <laughs> until everybody understands how they fit in. And so then you start thinking a lot about what motivates people to get excited about where they are, what their uh, ambitions are, what matters to them, wherever they are in their their own journey and whatever the reason is that they are part of an organization. And how do you connect that to the broader set of things that we aspire to do as a company? All of that is right brain stuff. Right. Yeah, totally, totally. All right. So let's agree that living through a pandemic is absolutely horrible. Uh, there may be some great outcomes, but you know, for those of, us, those of us, and it's practically all of us that are living through it, it it's not been easy. That being said, uh, I don't believe we can use the pandemic as an excuse any longer. 
And, uh, you know, from our perspective, this is the time to be better, do better and build something better. So to that end, if I gave you an extra $100,000 of budget right now, how would you spend it and why? Yeah, I don't know what kind of answers you've been getting on this question. Actually, <laughs> I probably go to a lot of like the, the soul of the person, right? And on 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 this, but you know, like I, I have to say, I, I feel very fortunate during this pandemic that I, I have personally had the benefit of just you know being employed, having good health, like the the basics of of uh, just for me personally, largely been um, minimally impacted. It's impacted all of us, but in in my case, very lucky to feel like. Uh, that I have not had the the dramatic impact that others might have felt during this time, and and but I, I also appreciate that not everybody was that that lucky, and, and certainly if I look at the castle side of things, I I we've had our share of the challenges, same kind of uncertainty that every other business felt. I remember going into March of last year, uh, what was going to happen to the economy, what was going to happen to our customers, how we're going to deal with all of that, and and I, I I look at that in in maybe a pretty matter of fact way that that's the journey that every company goes through, and there's a reason that they call it a cycle, as they cycle, and so at some point a company will always have to deal with those kinds of things, and so at, at the castle side of it. Uh, we were lucky enough, I think, to be able to turn the pandemic into a really great business opportunity to for us to stick ground in getting uh, people back to work and feeling confident in doing it with this thing called, we, we call uh, Castle Safe Spaces. But anyway, but I, I think in the in the middle of that, as, as uh, the world goes, I was personally and we were collectively at the Castle side, you know, the fortunate ones. And, and there are so many people who are just not as fortunate. And, and so this, this um, um, pandemic hit so many people in such deeply personal ways, like people died, right? And, and, yeah. and um, uh, friends and family members were, they felt sick, they felt victim to COVID, people lost their livelihoods, they had to worry about their kids at home, getting food on the table, like everything yep. that is actually what matters. So much of the population was impacted by it. And, and I, I um, a couple of weeks back, I uh, with with my wife, I volunteered uh, in one of the food lines, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and and it was just distributing basically, you know, uh, donated food so that people could put food on food on the table, food on the table, and, and this was you know a month ago or something, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the line in so it's DC, um, yep. so the line was long. Uh, standing line, but also the car line to get all the food. And it's an it's amazing perspective that you see because you don't think about it day in and day out until you put that into perspective. And, and so if there's a difference that I can make with $100,000 in any kind of small way, I, I, it's, it's, it's not an amazing amount of money, but it's also resources to think about how you might focus. And, and right. I, I think for me, the part that maybe I just, I, I feel the worst for would be the, the kids, the children in this, the younger kind of in between self-sustaining, you know, high schoolers and, and college kids like I have uh, to like, what kind of education were they missing out on? Right. What kind of uh, opportunities did they not get? Who didn't have maybe the luxury of the laptops, although I guess a lot of people gave laptops out. Uh, but maybe even the parents who can help them with the education. So um, how do you help groups of children? How do you think about putting volunteer armies of, of maybe teachers together, learning groups together, social interaction groups together? I, I don't know how you think about just even the small group of people that you can touch and impact, but kids grow up. Yeah. And if you don't think about the parts that 
impact them in formative years and help them shore that up. I think you miss out on not just this group of what they get to do now, but also what they get to do for the world in the future. And that's probably where I might have uh, would go back in time and spend a little bit of time. All right. That's a great answer. And I, and I think to be you know, tuned in to the impact that it's had on you personally, the impact that it's had on your business, but also to be able to see that, that broader picture and the impact that it's had on the community around you. I, I think that's awesome. Um, you know, uh, from our from our perspective, you know, Hilo, uh, which is all about creating community and created uh, connecting buildings to neighborhoods and to cities. And, um, you know, we think a lot about that that side of our business and our, our intention is to sort of build out that social good component and, and not only help buildings connect and create those communities, but also think about how we can give back to those communities. Uh, so I, I love the fact that that's where you're, you're, you went with when asked that question. Thank you. Um, I think I love that you talk about that as well, because I, I think in, in for us, you know, security, right? Security is a is a thing that is so core to how people feel in day to day. And part of what I think attracted me to the company beyond now the technology part of prop tech and amenity and all that kind of stuff, which is also interesting and important. But there there is a uh, a. a a core kind of what you do in the community to make people feel secure. That matters right. a lot, I think, in the ethic of the company overall. And, and we do spend a lot of time in the company thinking about how we can contribute back. And, and so I love that you talked about that and that you focused on it too. It's, it's right. really important. Well, I look forward to continuing that part of our conversation offline and seeing how our, our two companies can maybe work on that together. That'd be, that'd be great. Excellent. Um, you know, there's still a lot that we don't know um, lots of people making these grand pro, um, you know, statements about what the future of work will be. Uh, I feel very confident in saying that there will be a return to the workplace. Uh, it will happen. It will be much slower than any of us first thought. Uh, flexibility is going to, without question, continue to be uh, uh, an emerging and important theme in commercial real estate, recognizing that people will be working from everywhere going forward. Uh, you know, this, this notion of work remote or work in the office, it's not going to be one or the other. It is going to be, a, a, you know, work from everywhere. And, and, and during the course of one's work week, you're going to determine when and where is best to be doing the work that you need to get done. Um, so just wonder what your thoughts are on all of that. Um, any opinions, any, any thinking that you'd be willing to share with our listeners? Yeah, so I very much agree with you. People are going to go back to work. It's, it's going to happen. It will happen. Um, I think people want to get back together because people recognize that there is a certain thing that happens when people are alive together and the uh, level of creativity that you get or productivity that you get or uh, a different way of engaging and interacting than uh, you get in a 2D format like this, like in a much more 3D experiential kind of way. So I believe very much that that, that will happen. Now, that, that said, for for a lot of people now, employees, I think the genie is out of the bottle, right? So I think many people found that they can be as productive or even more productive, maybe working at home. So, so the other day I went to the office and, and I've, I've gone to the office kind of sporadically across my, you know, this last year. Um, but um, I, I, I was like in this half hour commute. <laughs> I was like, wow, what is going on here? I'm like half an hour commute listening to the radio or something. Like, yeah, I could be doing so many more productive things than, than this. So I, I think I think that that 
there there is uh, uh, now in this new light that people think about like how can I use time? How can I think about it differently? And I think employers debate a lot, and I've talked to different people about uh, whether people are more productive in the office or out of the office, even though the genie is out of the bottle, even though maybe they found their way to Zoom or Teams or whatever. Um, how do you do it now? Right. And and I, I think even uh, reflecting on some of the the least technologically advanced companies that were out there, they're very old school. They now probably could say that they are doing things that they never thought possible before. Mm -hmm. They didn't think that culturally they was going to be able to do it, or they didn't know that technology was available to do it. And so so I, I think you have this 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 situation where the technology is enabled a certain kind of productivity. People want a certain kind of productivity. People have lived it now so that they like the flexibility of committing still to what the company needs, but also having a, a schedule that might be more permitting. And yet at the same time, you kind of know it's better if you can get people together and working. And, and right. so, so that creates a different kind of, uh, you know, we talk about the hybrid remote work environment a lot, um, what, what's, what's possible there. And, and, um, and, and so, so I, I think the workplace uh, and the collaboration piece retains value um, and it becomes to me a place rather than the place. Right, if that makes sense. And, and so, so when you think about that, so how will engagement work in that kind of environment? Uh, there's, there's like HR policy kinds of things that I've talked about our, our, our um, different clients about, like when should people come in or how, uh, how much should they expect them to come in? How much should they expect them to be even living locally because people moved away, you know, all those kinds of things. But, but then, then it's more like the practice part of it. What would, you, what would you have them do when they came in? Do you expect them to come in as teams together so that they can collaborate? Uh, what would you want them to do while they're not home? Are there expectations that are different from when and how? Like they, they become not just policy issues, but, but um, I guess administration and execution yeah. type. Of, of issues and 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 to me like i i think about a lot on you know like probably your world and, and my world here is how does technology then enable that differently right. right how do you how do you think about the new way of work that has been accelerated through covid and how do you think about technology being the underpinning to making that so where maybe three years ago, five years ago, people wouldn't have thought possible. It wasn't possible. Now it's possible. And people now have accelerated into like, how do I think differently? I, I agree. I, I think as commercial real estate continues to respond to um, this new world and, um, you know, rethinks the kinds of spaces it builds, um, rethinks how people navigate their way in and out of space, through space, um, the kinds of spaces that are available in terms of amenities, uh, the various programs and services that need to be offered. I think technology is going to be a critical factor in how all of that gets packaged and delivered and communicated, and then how ultimately people connect and interact. Um, so I, I do think that technology is going to play a vital, a critical role in that entire, um, the evolution of what it means now to work from everywhere. Um, and ultimately will create some, some very exciting times. You know, in terms of the real estate, I do believe people will want to come back. But I think to your point, not only the administrative side, but programmatically, what, what does your time look like when it's spent back at the, in your workspace? Um, and I think that's where companies are going to be reimagining, you know, the kinds of, you know, what do meetings look like? What do, what do brainstorm sessions look like? Um, you know, what does time spent in the office actually uh, need to do 
need to contribute back to productivity and so forth. Uh, so, you know, that there's so much again that we still don't know. I think this is going to continue to evolve at a very rapid pace. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be interesting to watch. Absolutely. Uh, let's take a quick short break and we'll be right back. This episode of 10, the Tenant Experience Network is proudly brought to you by Hilo. Hilo is a software solution used by building operators to attract tenants, boost revenues, and streamline operations by creating connected, engaged, and informed building communities. Building operators need to connect their tenants now more than ever before, recognizing that people will be working from everywhere, including the home, forever. Unlike apps that silo one building, the Hilo Tenant Experience Network is the only solution that connects people to their building community, network, and city where they work, live, or visit. To learn more about Hilo, visit HiloApp.com. We're back with Hanyu Lin, CEO of Castle Systems. Thanks for being with us again today. Yeah, absolutely. So the CRE industry is moving faster and faster towards recognizing that their core business is not actually about just owning buildings, but rather it's about creating the best customer experience for their tenants and residents. Buildings are for people. People come first. So just would love to hear your thinking around how we will define and deliver tenant experience in 2021 and perhaps beyond. Yeah, sure. So, so Castle has been a really strong advocate uh, for tenant in the office or tenant uh, resident experiences in multifamily for, for many, many years. And so we were among the first to truly get to a touchless experience where we launched our mobile credential app, you know, what it'd be five years, maybe six years ago now. Um, and, and I think COVID accelerated a dynamic that was already underfoot in this area around, um, around amenity or around experience. And, and, and for us, what we say a lot is necessity just became maybe the mother of adoption here. Uh, so we have seen ourselves a big uptick in, in interest in just the, the touchless credential motivated now by the, the, the need to feel safer or to feel like you're in a healthier work environment without having to, you know, pod, <laughs> pod everything. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we, we pushed ourselves uh, in the middle of this technologically to continue to redefine what the touchless experience is. For example, now, um, uh, being first to market in a touchless elevator control kind of situation so that you can call the elevator to your floor with a phone and then de designate where you want to go. Um, and then even more an elegant uh, visitor management system that allows you to kind of come in without doing anything, uh, just playing on, again, some investments and, and, and product directions that we had taken in the past already. Um, and, and the thing that to me is really interesting in this world is the the bit of, of uh, 10 degree pivot, if you will, not even a pivot, 10 degree step over around how you think on the world of what was security and safety to the world of health wellness mm -hmm. in now the, the definition of um, uh, uh, about experience. And right. that all kind of matters. So these are all kind of places that we have been in swimming around in. And, and now coming out of it, I believe that the, uh, the competitive environment for space is changing a lot and uh, a bit up in the air, I think, as people are saying, how much space do people really need anymore? How is commercial office demand uh, going to feel given all this uncertainty? And so that places a bit even more pressure on buildings and owners and, and managers to uh, upgrade and think about how to differentiate their space to modernize their experience for their tenants and their employees. Um, 
who I, I, I say sometimes like, you know, all of us are spending too much time on our technology devices and watching probably too much Netflix and, you know, Apple TV or whatever. We're all spoiled by what Google has taught us to be an experience that we should expect from our digital devices that I think when you get into the, the commercial kind of uh, office work world, it doesn't match up. It's not the same. Right. And so, so how will that then lead to an, an, an upgrade in expectation and upgrade, upgrade in what the uh, owners and operators will have to deliver in order to match up with those expectations with respect to experience overall. And so again, I would say that this is a trend line that has been on, that we've been on because people have been talking about this for some time. And then again, this, this uh, necessity of, uh, you know, is the mother of adoption thing. I think it's just lifted up the trend line and trajectory for more people to think more actively about this for economic well-being reasons, for health and safety reasons, for expectation reasons, all of that I think is coming to now fruition in this, this kind of built environment that we're in. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it from that perspective, but the, to, you know, with all of us now working remotely, working from home, and our, our dependence on technology and, all, and, and many different types of technology, you're, interesting that you point out that when we go back to the workplace, our expectations are that you know, some of that experience will be just there when we get there. And, and you're right, maybe, you know, historically, it didn't necessarily match up or align. But, you know, if we've been able to do so much right now, you know, through various, you know, uh, you know, through our smartphones and, 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 and engage with each other, you know, we're going to have that same expectation. So it's a very interesting sort of motivation as to why we really need to look at the experience that we offer in the physical space and make sure that they match or there's going to be like this, hey, what's going on when you get there, right? Yeah, I, I think sometimes we forget and, you know, we, we, we call them employees or we, we call them like yeah. our customers or whatever, that uh, they are actually consumers first. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and so what they see and what they experience, they would experience everywhere uh, or want to experience everywhere. Um, but then sometimes we don't live up to that expectation. I have that challenge in our in our own speak when we talk about. Um, you know, our, our platform and we talk about, you know, how we want to help commercial real estate operators deliver better, you know, sometimes we say tenant experience, sometimes we say customer experience, because um, we like to emphasize that their tenants are really their customers. Sure. But to your point, they are a consumer first and foremost. Um, so we like to say that we built out Hilo to be a consumer brand, a consumer platform and really understand what does the consumer need and want and then, you know, build out, you know, what, what they experience on our platform that ultimately meets the needs of our, our, our real estate partners. But it, it, sometimes it's challenging to convey to the commercial real estate industry that the people that we serve are actually consumers. Yeah, absolutely. And, right? you know, the, the thing I might also say about what Castle has done over time is because we have focused so much on the experience and then the end user experience, whether the end user is is the the mobile app person who's the tenant employee right. or the building property owner operator. Yep. At the end of the day, we, we, uh, we actually control our own technology stack because we wanted to make sure that we could deliver the best experience possible right. at the end. Right. Right. And, and so as you think about the consumerization of technology, uh, I don't know if that's the right word or, or yep. even any word, but <laughs> the consumerization of, of this and, and people don't connect the dots again, and then people are not as focused as maybe you and we are on what that ex experience ends up being for that consumer. Um, you can tell when there is a great experience and when there's not a great experience. Right. Like it's, it's, not, it's not rocket science in that. You just have to see it and, and feel it. 
And so then at some point you just have to have people feel it and see it to understand why, you know, you don't want to be in a place where you have to hop on one foot and then you're like, hands <laughs> around and then you can open the door. Like that kind of stuff just isn't, isn't acceptable to lots of people who are again, consumer expectations, what they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, can you share any details about something new you're working on or a challenge you're facing in light of the current world circumstances? Uh, something you think our listeners might find interesting? Yeah, so here we we continue to work to get our clients, uh, and, and, and uh, it may not be known broadly, but our, our focus is on, Castle's focus is on Class A, Class B, B plus, uh, um, central business district CBDs, um, uh, commercial multi-tenant buildings and the tenants inside those buildings as well. We also do a pretty good a bit of work in multifamily as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as we think about our core kind of client, like getting people into the space, into work is really important, right? And so we have been a big champion of this, as I said earlier, the, the Castle Safe Spaces framework that we came up with uh, a year ago now, uh, almost a year ago, was because people didn't know uh, how to get people back. And that, that was, by the way, back then when we thought we'd be two months and done, done <laughs> right. on that thing. Right? So th- that was then. Um, but but I, I think the same kind of ideas hold true now. People are looking for guidance and, and expertise about how to return people to work safely. And so we continue to build on this castle safe spaces idea. And, and maybe I'll, I'll just take a step back, if you don't mind. I'll just give you a little bit of, of what we are, what we uh, uh, talk about with respect to this framework. So Castle Safe Spaces, we talk about five different component parts of it, and much of it is enabled by access control, which is what we mm-hmm. do as a company at, the, at, at some part of the center of us. So uh, the five pillars, one of them is what we call screen in, screen out, which is just screening out people who are, are sick and screening in people who are safe. Uh, there's uh, everything is touchless. So we talked about the touchless access control, but beyond that into visitor management or uh, elevator controls and, and all things to make it a much more elegant experience to get in without having to, to touch everything. Um, the, there are social distancing capability within that uh, as a part of the pillars. Uh, because you can use underlying data to understand whether too many people are in the fitness center, too many people are in a bathroom, how many people you want in a density kind of controlled environment to not have too many people on a floor, et cetera. So that's the third one. Uh, Fourth one is you can use the same underlying uh, data and information to understand how to do contact tracing in case uh, you know, Hanuel is on the floor right. and David was there and we want to make sure that David knows that Hanuel is sick. How do you figure that out and, and inform people? And then the last one that we spent much more recent time talking about with our clients is the air quality notion, mm-hmm. because we know that transmission happens through the air and uh, working with a lot of our clients to, to understand how you can uh, understand the cleanliness of a space to visualize that, to clean it, to then think about whether you want to tie it to access control or not, to limit access when the space isn't as safe as you'd like it to be. And, and so these are the dimensions that we talk about with respect to Castle State Spaces. Again, much of it is making sure that we are helping our clients return their customers, their clients back to the office, their tenants back to the office. Uh, the, the most interesting thing that we've done recently, we, we actually, uh, with the, it was actually literally this week, uh, we uh, built on our screening pillar to enable clients to tie access control to vaccine status. Wow. And, and so that, you know, as you're seeing uh, a broader release of vaccines distribution now going below in the U.S. here, uh, de- depending on the state, below the 65-year-old threshold, maybe down into a broader general population version, now people are feeling like it might be time to get back to work. And so 
to what degree might you be able to use that information to help administer some of your policies? Not that everyone will decide that it's mandatory or you know, by any stretch, but there's an opportunity to use that information to uh, help advance your policies. So much like the first version of screening was the health attestation question. So the three questions you ask, like, are you feeling sick? Are you exposed? Right. That, that kind of thing. This is just another step in helping our clients maybe administer a different policy. But the way that we continue to work on it and think about it is it's safe return to work. People are gonna to wanna to get back to work. They wanna feel confident that they can do so safely. And so what are the steps that our clients, uh, whether they are the building types or the employer types, how do they uh, arm themselves to enable their policies to be acted upon so that people feel like, okay, now I can come back. Right. Well, you're, you know, if we were to describe your business, it would be certainly something far more, far more reaching than just simply a, a security business. Um, so it is interesting just to see how all of the natural extensions that now, um, you know, come out of that and the areas of the business that you need to play in and, and be expert in and, and help support your clients in. Yeah, you know, a, a thing I've said to a lot of our different clients is, is uh, people appreciate now, I think, especially the most progressive of our clients that uh, security has moved from the backstage to the spotlight. And, right. and it is no longer the utility that you think about that you actually don't want to hear anything about. Right. Because that means that you something has gone wrong when you hear something about it. Right. Into a world where it enables amenity and then enables experience, allows you to do different in kind things and solve different in kind problems. It happens that the infrastructural backend is the base security, but that's actually not what we're about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think your business obviously is going to play a big role and, and be a big piece of that whole tenant experience um, offering. Uh, certainly lot, lots of opportunity, uh, I would imagine, still even yet to imagine. And it's going to be an interesting ride to, to see how it all, it all falls out. Yeah, um, I'm excited our, about that. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, our closing speed round. Uh, a couple of all fun right. questions for you. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, it, it has to be teleportation. Okay. That, that, that commute time made me think of that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, what city or country do you, would you travel to first when you can and why? Well, I, I told you I love Toronto because uh, I have family there, but I, I would say that uh, I, I haven't had a chance to visit my mom out in the Bay Area for a long time. Okay. And I would love to uh, spend some time with her out there. Great. Uh, when you are not working, what are you doing? Uh, I have unfortunately been watching maybe too much Netflix recently. Um, we all have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, uh, I try to read and to, to catch up on things that I don't know about, but that's always a good way to spend time as well. Absolutely. Number one thing you miss about the workplace? Uh, you mean beyond the great coffee that we get every day? <laughs> sure. um, it, it really, it has to be just the opportunity to bump into colleagues without having deliberately to call somebody to talk about something which already just formalizes everything. Right. Um, and you get to know people better that way in this kind of informal setting. So I miss that. Absolutely. All right. Back to your earlier comment, your favorite recent TV streaming movie or series? Yeah, so so uh, I'm watching this thing called The 100 now. I think our kids started watching it. I started to watch it with them, and now they don't like to watch it, and I'm still stuck watching it. So that's probably okay. the one. All right. Well, we're just knee deep. We're in the fourth season now of The Crown. All so right. Interested all in the monarchy on Netflix. Uh, it's uh, it's been quite enlightening, even for, for a Canadian who should know more than perhaps I do. Uh, it's been very informative. Yeah, we we actually were watching that for a while too. So that is a, a great show. All right. Listen, Hanyo, I've really enjoyed our time together, getting to know you, looking forward to continuing to collaborate uh, with your company and your team. 
and uh, just obviously wish you lots of continued success. Stay healthy, stay well, and uh, look forward to uh, connecting soon. Yeah, absolutely, David. Thanks so much for having me, and, and same to you. Uh, good wishes on your company and, and health and everything, fam family, etc. Thank you. I want to thank Hanyal Lin for joining me on today's episode of 10 and for sharing his journey from early beginnings working at a startup to now leading the team at Castle Systems. Great learning for all our listeners and an opportunity to gain insight in what it takes to become an innovation leader. Please be sure to follow 10 for future discussions with leading professionals and industry experts who all have something to say about the impact of technology on tenant experience in the built world. We love hearing from you, so if you enjoyed this episode of 10, please share, add your rating, and review us through your preferred podcast provider. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode, please reach out to me directly at david at hiloapp.com. Until our next episode, I wish you all continued success in building community where you work and live. Thank you.